Good morning. It is nice to be with you. So uh, I'm super excited uh, to be here. Like uh, Hodown said, I'm here with my family and we love Gull Lake Ministries. We've been here for, I don't know, 11, 14 years? Really? Wow, 14 years. Uh, yeah, we just think it's an amazing, amazing place. And so it's also a privilege to be able to come here and to uh, share God's word with you. Hello, friends. So it's fun to see uh, familiar faces uh, from years gone by. There are also some people from our church who I also, hello. Um, <laughs> it's great to have uh, that. We believe this much in this place that we, we bring families from our church every year uh, to be here. And then like uh, Hodown said, my oldest son is on staff here, uh, working here, and it's just been a huge blessing in his life. So yes, we're just grateful for lots and lots of opportunities, but even if this place was terrible, which it's not, it's fantastic, the opportunity to get to share God's word, the opportunity to get to be with God's people is just absolutely amazing. And so I'm really grateful for that. What I'd like to do is pray and then... uh, We'll get started on what we have, what God has for us for the week. So if you bow your heads, I'd like to lead us in prayer. Lord, we've heard of your faithfulness already in uh, the West Bank and in Palestine and in Bethlehem. And Lord, how crazy good you are, Uh, Lord God, that uh, in this land uh, in which there is a lot of darkness and trouble and difficulty, uh, Lord, your light shines brightly. And as you said in the Gospel of John, uh, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. And so God, we praise you for that. We praise you that your light shines here at Gull Lake Ministries, Lord God. And we're aware that there can be spiritual warfare here as well and difficulty and trial and that many families and people have come here this week and it's been a journey to get here. And there have been uh, things that have happened along the way, ways in which Satan or our own personal selfish desires have got in the way and messed things up. But Lord, here we are. And we've come, uh, Lord, yes, we came to enjoy your creation. Yes, Lord, we came to enjoy fellowship. But most of all, Lord, we came to engage with you through your creation and through good fellowship, through fun and enjoyment. And Lord, through your word. Uh, But God, apart from you, we can do nothing. And so, Lord, we ask that as we open your word, that you would come and be present with us. Lord, I'm going to pray ahead of time. Uh, Lord, I feel like you've asked that we have some people in the uh, congregation here share at different points. I just pray, Lord, you'd give them courage to do that when that time comes and that you would prompt their hearts uh, to be willing to do that. Lord, for these sessions, as uh, it seems best that you've laid them out, Lord, we just pray that it would be your plans and not mine or ours. And God, whatever you want to say, would you come here and speak, Lord? I know that there is nothing greater in the world than for your people to hear your voice. And so, Lord, speak through your word. Speak through the illustrations and the talks. Speak in other ways, God. May your Holy Spirit be present powerfully among us. And uh, Jesus, may your name be glorified and honored and lifted up uh, in the 103 years here. That is the thing, is you, Jesus. And in the 2,000 years, that is the thing is you. And in all of creation, Jesus, it's you. And so would you be present with us? Would you be uh, glorified here among us this week as we gather together this day, Resurrection Day, a Sunday, in which we get to celebrate that, Jesus, you are not dead but alive. And so would you show that to us in your presence with us this morning? We pray this in your name. Amen. I'd like to start with a question, 
And I think there's a right answer to this question, but uh, it's the kind of question you can just sort of take a guess. And if you have a different answer than me, you might be right. Uh, I think my answer is right, but we just want to guess. And I'd like to know, what do you think the most important word in the Bible is? So you can flash that up there. Yep. So not a name. Okay. The obvious, if I asked you the most important name, you're going to say Jesus, which would be right. Or you can say God, that would be correct. But I don't mean that. I mean the most important word, so not the name of a person. Most important word in the Bible. Any guesses? Resurrection. Great guess. Truth. Amen. That is a brilliant answer. I would like you to hold on to the answer for like two sessions more. But that is an awesome answer. And so I want to say yes to that. I want to say amen to that. That's a great answer. I got resurrection, truth, amen. Faith. Excellent. Thank you. Grace. Love it. C.S. Lewis would have said that was the most important word, but I'm going to disagree with him. I, I as in me? Well, God says I, am. I am, okay, nice. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Oh, I think I just heard my answer. So I'm going to argue the most important word in the Bible is love. <clears throat> when God introduces himself, he says, the Lord, the Lord the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. We only have three nouns in the New Testament where you can ever say God is and then put a noun. We got lots of adjectives. God is uh, good, God is kind, God is gentle, but there are only three nouns that are big enough that you can put them on the other side of the God equal sort of thing. In John, we're told God is spirit, uh, which means that he's not flesh and blood. Uh, probably the bigger one in 1 John is God is light. Light is a big enough word that it can sort of encompass who God is. But then the all-important one is God is love. God is love. In 1 Corinthians 13, uh, we get a whole chapter on love. And at the end, Paul says, these are the three most important things, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And he tells us in 1 Corinthians, if you've got everything else, if you've got prophecy, if you've got knowledge, if you've got faith that can move mountains, if you give yourself up, if you serve, if you surrender your body to the flames, but you do it without love, there's nothing. So resurrection, super important because God loves us. Grace God's unmerited favor, it's an expression of his love. What is the great commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So my argument is, is that the most important word in the Bible is love. Now, interestingly, when you go into the Old Testament the word for love shows up lots of times with a pair. The word faithfulness. And that you'll find, especially in the Old Testament, passage after passage after passage where it's not just love, but love and faithfulness. And those two words form what we'd call a hendiades. Now that's kind of a strange word. There you go. Look at that. Hendiades. Hen is the Greek word for one. Dia is for two. And so the dies is for two. So one from two. It's the idea when two words 
really form one concept. Let me give you a few examples here of what that looks like. <laughs> macaroni and cheese. Nobody wants just macaroni and then cheese. It would be like drinking the cheese powder stuff. That would be terrible. Again, peanut butter and jelly. We have two words, three in this case, but we actually mean one thing, peanut butter and jelly. Uh, shock and awe. I don't know why I was thinking about this, but sort of back in the Gulf War and those sorts of things, you know, the sort of shock and awe. This was one idea and not two. It wasn't sort of like the American military was going to shock people and then stop and then awe people. It was sort of shock and awe. Ebb and flow, trust and obey. These are what we know of in sort of English as hendiades, where you get two words, but you really mean one thing. And in the Old Testament, you get these two words in this format where they come together and what we think God means is one thing. Loving faithfulness and faithful love. Because if you don't have those two things together, if you've got a husband who says he loves his wife but is not faithful to her, that's not love. If you have somebody who is faithful to honor their mother and do kind things on Mother's Day, but doesn't do it out of a loving heart, but does it out of a sense of obligation, we don't think that's great either. You want to have loving faithfulness and faithful love. So while the most important word in the Bible is love, we're actually going to spend our time over the six sessions that we have together talking about faithfulness. Because faithfulness is an important aspect of God's love. The fact that God loves us demonstrates demonstrated in the fact that he is faithful to us. We have this great hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. The idea that in God's faithfulness there are new ways in which we get to experience his faithfulness on a sort of regular basis. We get to see it afresh. And so what I'd like to do for our six sessions is talk about God's faithfulness. And I got a plan for how we're gonna go through this. Next slide, please. We're gonna do uh, three things together each session. The first is I'd like to share with you an Old Testament image of God's faithfulness. Just this sort of, this kind of, uh, so maybe hopeful resonate maybe with those who are more artistic or those who are more visual or those who appreciate sort of the aesthetic things of life. I think that's a huge value. Uh, so just to kind of give an image, when we think about faithfulness, uh, what sort of resonates with our soul? And so each session, we'd like to give an Old Testament image or an image that comes from the Old Testament about faithfulness. Secondly, uh, I have a passage from the New Testament for each of our sessions. And what we're looking for, the formula is gonna go like this. Multiple times in the New Testament it says God is faithful and then says he does something. So that's what we're gonna study together is what are those things that God does in his faithfulness. And if you're only here for this morning session, that's perfectly fine. We're gonna do one of those today, each one sort of a self-contained unit. And uh, you don't have to have been at one to understand the other one. But just the idea is, is that over and over again, God says he's faithful and then tells us something that he does. 
And so my hope and goal for uh, the week is that we would just be encouraged, <laughs> that in a world of unfaithfulness, in a world of darkness and difficulty, we would be reminded our God is faithful day in and day out. He does what he says he's going to do, and he's made amazing promises. So we're going to uh, take a New Testament text and look at what it says about God being faithful. And then I've been here speaking. I don't come every year, but for 14 years, this one, the piece that I'm going to do next was I'm like, Lord, are you sure you want to do it this way? What I'd like to do is I'd like to leave a little bit of time uh, each session for you to share uh, with all of us ways in which you might have experienced this aspect of God's faithfulness. Hopefully there'll be time for one or two of you. So you can think about it if the Lord prompts your heart because one of the things it says about love in Ephesians is it says, you know, Paul prays that we would grasp the height and the width and the depth and the breadth of God's love, but he says that you might grasp it together because something happens when we share personal testimonies of God's love and faithfulness that we get to see it in action in someone else's life. And so I'm gonna try, if you're willing, if you won't, we'll have shorter sessions, I guess. Uh, just to let a couple of you, as the Spirit prompts you, share ways in which you might have experienced God's faithfulness in this way. You with me on the plan? All right, so we're starting today with, first of all, an Old Testament image of God's faithfulness. And I need my good friend Justin to come on up here. He's going to help me. Uh, and the reason why I need Justin to help me is uh, I got a little illustration here. But he is one of the best contractors that I know. Uh, he recently, what, a year or two ago, redid our kitchen for us, did a fantastic job. He also, I'll just show you what I got here. Uh, this is his drywall. We took it from one of his job sites. One of his employees, my son, uh, built this for us. And so I thought, man, Justin be the right guy to do this. And so what you have here, this is sort of kind of approximating what you get just in a standard house wall, the idea of drywall sort of attached to studs. We just put two by fours back here. And I have, uh, there's no tricks here, but I want you to do is listen. That is my son's hammer that you encouraged him to buy. So thank you for doing that. And I got some nails for you. So what Justin's going to do, and this is an image of faithfulness is he's going I want you to think you know like if you're at home and you're going to like hang a heavy picture on your wall he's going to drive a nail first just straight into the drywall and I want you to listen to the sound okay now I had to tell him because I have watched him use a hammer don't drive the next nail all in in one blow so go a little more slowly but drive it now into where the stud is and I want you to listen to the difference Do you need me to help you with that? All right, let's, I want you to hear it again. Do one more in the drywall. Okay. Another one in the drywall. Okay, and another one in the stud. Great, thank you, Justin. Yes. You can take it back, sir. Thanks. Okay, do you hear the difference? In the book of Isaiah, the word for faithfulness that we're going to be talking about, this word I want you to hold on to from amen here, is used of a peg 
driven securely into the ground. So our nearest approximation is a nail being driven into a stud. And what I want to leave with you is this idea of the faithfulness of God is that the one that's got driven into the stud, you can hang something on. It's trustworthy. It's reliable. You can sort of feel the difference. I don't know if any of you have had the experience of trying to hang something simply in drywall uh, without using an anchor or the appropriate thing. You put it up there and it might stay for a minute, but the next day it's probably going to be on the ground. But when you drive something securely and firmly in place, just an unpushable, how much weight could you put on something like that if you're going to drive a nail into a stud? 100 pounds, no problem. It's going to hold it, no problem. This is the image the Old Testament uses for God's faithfulness. You can hang on to it. It's like a nail driven firmly in place. All right, for our New Testament text, I'd like you to turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Okay, I'm going to start reading in verse 1. We're going to read through verse 9. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then here's our verse. God is what? Faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So look with me at verse number two as to who it is that Paul is writing to. He's writing to the church of God in Corinth. Now I want you to compare this for a moment with some of the other openings to Paul's letters. Can you put these up here for us? Romans chapter one. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Compare that with what he says in Corinthians. Who's he writing Corinthians to? To the church of God. No word church in Romans one, but it sounds like it's sort of written to believers in Rome. 2 Corinthians to the church of God. So 1 Corinthians to the church of God. 2 Corinthians to the church of God. Okay, next slide. Galatians to all and all the brothers and sisters with me 
to the churches in Galatia. So here I have the word church, but it's sort of uh, all of the churches in Galatia. Ephesians 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Philippians 1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi together with the overseers and deacons. Colossians 1, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. 1 Thessalonians, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. What I want you to notice here is that sometimes it sounds like Paul's just kind of writing to Christians, sort of all who live in Rome, all who are called. Sometimes it sounds like he's writing to sort of local churches, to the church in Thessalonica. Sometimes it sounds like he's writing to sort of regional churches, to the churches of Galatia. But in First and Second Corinthians, this is the only spot you have the phrase, to the church of God that in Corinthians, God is emphasizing his church. This is who Paul's writing to. So what is it that God has been faithful to do? Verse nine, God is faithful who has called you, and then it says, into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's because translators sort of from Greek to English have to kind of pick words they want to use to sort of make the best sense of it but literally it says in greek he's called you into fellowship of his son jesus christ which can mean one of two things one it can mean he called you into fellowship with jesus which is how the niv translates it meaning god's faithfulness is he's allowed us to have a relationship with jesus Two, it can be into the fellowship that Jesus creates, meaning that God has called us into a fellowship that exists because of Jesus. I think in this case, it's both. So how has God been faithful to us? Well, first of all, he's been faithful to us by giving us a relationship with Jesus. But secondly, God's faithfulness is that he's given us the church. This is how God has been faithful to us, to the church of God in Corinth. God is faithful in that he has given to us the church. How is that a demonstration of God's faithfulness? Well, look with me in the passage. Verse four, I always thank my God for you. For who? Who's this written to? To the church of God. He's thankful for the church of God because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. In him. In who? In Jesus. In Christ. 
This is one of Paul's most common phrases, is that he writes to us in Christ. We have been justified in Christ. We have been sanctified in Christ. We get to know God in Christ. This is shorthand for in the body of Christ. That in the body of Christ, we get to experience these things. When you become a Christian, you are baptized into the body of Christ, and this is how we get the blessings of being a Christian. That's theologically true. Practically where that's true is where do we find the body of Christ? The local church. That's why the church is called the body of Christ. And so the way in which God has been faithful to us is he has called us into a fellowship in which we get to be enriched in every spiritual way. That we grow and mature and become more like Jesus because of the church. This is God's faithfulness to us he's given us an opportunity in church to become more like jesus verse six god thus confirming our testimony about christ among you what is paul's testimony about christ it's that jesus is no longer dead but that he has been raised from the dead it's resurrection how does church confirm that well, if we're honest, it's actually hard to believe that some guy who lived 2,000 years ago is no longer dead but alive. Except for the fact that Jesus promised that where two or three gather together as the church in my name, what will happen? I will be present. Paul says that's the confirmation. How do you know that Jesus is not dead? Because every Sunday when you gather together with his people, he's present in the midst. That's how we know he's not that God's been faithful, not just to ask us to believe something from the history books, not to go through and examine all of the apologetics, not to have to travel to the land of Israel, which is great if you do, but to get to see all the sites and figure all this stuff out. God's faithfulness is to you and I, wherever we are, if we gather as the church in his name, Jesus has promised he will be present with us. And every week confirm the fact that he's raised from the dead. And you and I, we go through the week and we experience all sorts of darkness and difficulty and trouble. And we think, man, what in the world is going on? And then we come to church and we're reminded, oh, Jesus is alive. <laughs> it's going to be all right. My wife and I, when we, attended, when we lived in Dallas, we attended a uh, mostly black church in Dallas. And the church service was two and a half hours long. And so one time I actually got up the courage to ask the pastor, man, these are really long church services. I was used to those quick sort of hour and then you're out. I was like, how come, you know, we do two and a half hour church services? And he sort of says, well, in the, historically in the black community, you have long church services. He's like, because of slavery and other segregation issues, he's like, it took us that long every Sunday morning to remind people they were children of the king and not slaves and the idea is is that no matter what your week was like the faithfulness of God every Sunday you can gather with God's people and Jesus himself will be present you don't have to believe that he's raised from the dead based on a bunch of intellectual academic arguments from years ago every week you get to meet with him verse 7 therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift 
Now, who's the you? It can't be individuals. We're told in the book of Corinthians that no individual has all the spiritual gifts. Who doesn't lack any spiritual gift? The church. This is God's faithfulness. Now, we think the church in Corinth, and we know this kind of from archaeology, sort of we've kind of figured out the rooms in which they met, at most could have been about 90 people. That's sort of the biggest it could have been. We just don't think it would have fit in a room otherwise. But the promise of God is, is that in every church, all the spiritual gifts are going to be present. Because we need gifts of encouragement and gifts of giving and gifts of mercy and gifts of service and gifts of teaching and gifts of evangelism. And the faithfulness of God is, this is not necessarily true of all other organizations, even Christian organizations, but the promise of the church is that in every church, God is going to ensure that all the spiritual gifts are present. This is the faithfulness of God. You and I can't make it through this life without help, mercy and encouragement and teaching and, and, and wisdom and administration and guidance. And so God's faithfulness to us is that he's made us all, them all available in the church. Verse eight, he will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think next week, I think it's next week. My mom turns 82 years old. <clears throat> My dad died uh, over 10 years ago. And uh, after he died, of course, my sister, she does a great job taking care of my mom. We try to help uh, take care of my mom. But you know what's been just such a huge blessing? The church. <laughs> She's engaged in this church. And here she is, 82 years old. She's still teaching Sunday school on Sunday morning. She's still mentoring people. She's still involved. She's not nah, her preacher, so she has to say nice things about the preaching. But she still sends in compliments to people. She still engages with people on the staff. The church is God's faithfulness to her that to the very end of her life, God has provided this group of people to be with her so that she can stay firm till the end. This is the faithfulness of God. Now I want you to turn over to 1 Corinthians 11. The problem in the book of 1 Corinthians and the reason why Paul starts the way he starts is because the church in Corinth had forgotten what a blessing church was. And they got all sorts of issues. And we have those issues too. And if we're going to be honest about church, there's all sorts of ways and we're like, man, this doesn't always feel like it's such a great thing. You got infighting, you got problems, you got people that are just disagreeing about different things. You got changes, you got all sorts of difficult things. Well, look in 1 Corinthians 11, after Paul goes through a whole bunch of issues that the church in Corinth is having, he gets to their practice of the Lord's Supper. And he says, I'd like to say positive things about who you are as a church in this area, but I got nothing positive to say about you. Verse 17, in the following directives, I have no praise for you. For your meetings do more harm than good. In the first, and you can say amen to that. Sometimes church does more harm than good, doesn't it? In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. And then the particular issue that he's most upset about. So then when you come together, 
It is not the Lord's supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. So Paul says, look, your celebration of the Lord's Supper has gone off the rails. Like you've turned it into kind of this potluck, but like the rich people have lots of food to eat. Some people are getting drunk. Poor people have no food to eat. What in the world are you doing with this thing? And then look what he says in verse 22. First, don't you have homes to eat and drink in? And then... Or do you despise the church of God? Have you not recognized that think this is a blessing from God? This is supposed to be a place where you experience the blessings of God's faithfulness, where you experience spiritual gifts given uh, and used in, in connection with one another, where we love one another. We, like the Corinthians, often find ourselves in positions of despising this gift from God. We find it too, too, too difficult to have to show up every week. It's hard to keep giving. It's hard to keep serving. It's hard to keep doing these things. Kind of like in Malachi where God says to the children of Israel, hey, look, you blame everything. You say serving God is so difficult. You have contempt for who God is. We sometimes fall into a mindset because humans are sinful. A church is a burden. A church is a pain. Man, I'm always going there and the preacher goes on and on and on. I sometimes hear it this way. I've heard people say, you know what? I don't, I don't think preaching, teaching is all that important, which there are a lot of other things that are extremely important as well. And the example people use is like, well, I don't even remember the sermon that was preached, you know, like six months ago. I don't remember a single sermon. I say, that's true. I don't actually remember what I preached six months ago either. But then I ask him, do you remember what you had to eat that Sunday six months ago? To which the answer is usually No but was somebody faithful to feed you? Would you be here today if they hadn't fed you six months ago? Even when we are faithless, God remains faithful. And week in and week out, over and over again, for 2,000 years, Jesus has been calling sinful people like you and I together, showing up in our midst, keeping us firm to the end, blessing us through spiritual gifts, giving us evidence of his resurrection. And yes, it has not been perfect. But that's our fault and not his. And so this morning, God wants to remind us that he's been faithful. Like a nail driven into a stud, the church is something you can hang your hat on. For 2,000 years, on every continent in which there are Christians, there is the church. Where just two or three people get together, Jesus is present. Think about that. Every culture on earth, every era, every time period, week in and week out, the faithfulness of God. So I'm not here to sort of tell you, hey, look, be a better church attender, or be involved in church. What I'm here to remind you is, despite all the ways that humans have messed church up, this doesn't nullify the goodness, the faithfulness, the kindness, and the love of God. Is that he's made a way for us to gather together and to experience the risen Jesus, to be blessed by others in community, 
to be kept firm to the end. And so we say, thank you, God, for your faithfulness. All right, this is where we come to the third part. If anybody has, and again, we can't go 10 minutes per testimony, but if anybody's willing to raise their hand and say a few words uh, to share, we might even have a microphone. Happy's got a microphone back there. How have you experienced God's faithfulness in church? Maybe you've been like my mom and you've experienced it. You know what? I was a widow and I had no place to go and the church was the place where I experienced it. Maybe you, were in your, maybe you experienced doubts and you met with Jesus in church and he was present with you. Maybe you can just stand up and say, you know what? I've been through a lot of junk in church, but God's still been faithful. So if you're willing, we got, Stephanie's gonna go first back here. All right. So um, our church, Calvary, uh, is a church built on prayer. And throughout, my husband and I are married for 12 years by God's grace. And several times we have met with the elders to pray. And every single time, um, it's been a crisis or, or just needing prayer over a surgery for our kids. Um, it has been powerful. Hmm. And uh, we just recently prayed with the elders last Thursday, last Sunday, and we're, we're at a, a crossroads, a possible crossroads in our life. And God is faithful because even though uh, we feel pulled apart by a possible change, we know that because of all the other times we've prayed, it's been powerful. Hmm. So. Amen. Thank you. Yes, God's faithful uh, to provide. Uh, a place with elders, uh, with godly people who you can come and pray with. Uh, and he's faithful to meet you there. And again, you can pray anywhere in the world. Uh, you can pray in your home, you can pray out in nature and all of it's beautiful. But there is something powerful uh, in corporate prayer when you gather together as God's people to pray. Thank you. I got a testimony down here. Can I get a microphone down here? I'm going to try not to cry for this. <laughs> Crying's great, so we're good with that. It's, my 10-year-old says it cleanses your soul. <laughs> um, I grew up in a really loving home, growing up, growing up going to church. Um, but I was missing something that I thought I was missing. Um, but it was there for me the whole time. The summer of seventh grade, my brother and my sister-in-law who were at the end of this row invited my younger sister and I to attend a church camp with their church. We would go to their youth group sometimes. There's a 10-year gap between us, so um, I didn't really know what a gift it was at the time, but summer of seventh grade, I remember sitting around this tree that had like a bench built all the way around it, and my sister-in-law asking me if I had ever given my life to Christ, and I had not. Um, and so... Even after that, for years, I made really just poor decisions with my life. I didn't follow Christ the way he wanted me to. And I just feel so fortunate to have had this, this faithfulness and prayer from them throughout my entire life and to know that now we have the privilege to raise our children together and to be here. They, they invited us here too. <laughs> um, and just what a blessing it's been because two summers ago, our 
now 12-year-old son was baptized right out Mm. there. And um, because of the baptisms here, our girls chose to be baptized at our our home church. So it's just the faithfulness. Faithfulness of God. Thank you. One more right here. Oh, we got one here too. So we'll do two and then we'll be done. So uh, my wife and I, we uh, have five kids and we went through cancer, uh, breast cancer five years ago. And the church came together and developed this meal plan. So we had five kids, five and under, and I'm just like, okay, like this is where we're headed and I'm going to pull up my bootstraps and, you know, just try to do everything. And eventually it just became too tiring with, uh, and they kept wanting to help. And I was like, no, we got this, we got this, we got this. And, uh, eventually they just took over and, uh, they're mowing grass. We have a meal plan. They're telling me to show up to the church refrigerator every Sunday after church and to get your meals. Like it was like grocery bags upon grocery bags of food. I had people weeding our garden, mowing our grass, taking kids on dates. We had museum packages. We had Frederick Meyer garden packages. We had all these different things going on. People coming to just pick up kids and just the blessing of, you know, I was, I realized that I was denying people, uh, you know, denying their blessing to, to serve and help me like the church is called to do. And just, the church was just faithful. And it was just, it was very emotional just to see uh, people uh, serve the way Christ, you know, serves us and just allow it to happen. But it was a beautiful thing. Amen. God is faithful. That's a gift. Yeah. And last one over here, up behind you, yep. Uh, Hey everybody, Uh, my name is Jeremy, Uh, we're from Cincinnati, and I just wanna encourage everybody because um, we all go through stuff. One of the things I say all the time is just life happens. And we we see each other and we think, man, their life is great, and we see somebody else, man, their life must be great, and we're all going through stuff. So, um, like our life in general, um, like Derek's my brother, he's been coming for a long time. Uh, we lost our dad when I was 21, Derek was 23, and um, then my mom got married again, um, and then about 10 years later, um, he was an evangelist as well from Kentucky, sorry I'm an emotional person, I'll probably cry too, but um, anyway, uh, he ended up going to the doctor with a headache one day, and um, ended up, he had five brain tumors, and so he passed away uh, within a year, and then um, fast forward about 10 years uh, forward, uh, my wife had a stroke, and um, she was only 38 at the time. It was very, very tough. And I think, like I said, we all go through stuff. I know we've all got our stories, like who cares? This guy's got his own life to live, that kind of stuff. But I've always been joyful. And the, the one scripture that's always helped me out is the joy of the Lord is your strength. Because people see, like I'm always happy. I'm always smiling deep down inside. Sometimes they're like, man, I'm going through some garbage. But you got to go back to the scriptures and say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. And... Um, like a lot of other stuff's happened. We've had a kind of a rough go, but uh, I got hired on to a company about a year and a half ago. And um, it's a local company in Cincinnati and it's a bunch of rough guys. I mean, rough guys. And I always tell the Lord, I'm like, I'm willing to go where you want to go, faithful where you want to have me. And um, I show up every day, um, get cussed out, get blamed for stuff I didn't do, just 
come home just beat down. And I'm like, Lord, is this really where you want me? Mm. Yeah, he does. <laughs> it's like, so did I come home after another hard day? Is this really where you want me? Yep. I'm like, Lord, I'm just praying. Give me a sign if you want me to leave. I'm like just begging, like <laughs> just put me anywhere else but with these guys who are mean to me. I mean, you know, people talk about being bullied nowadays. It's like, you're a 45-year-old man. You're not being bullied. It's like, well, PIM, but the term's a little bit overused. Anyway, to make a long story short, every day just, just getting beat down, beat down, beat down. And um, one of the younger uh, kids, he's about 21, came up to me one day and he said, you know what? I grew up in church. I've gotten away from it. He goes, I see the way you're treated around here. I see the way people treat you like garbage. You really want to make me get back into church and start reevaluating my own life. Mm. And there was another guy who's about 40 and he came to me one day and he said, same thing. I grew up in church. He goes, and he's like, I see the way they treat you. He's like, you're the only real Christian I've ever met. Mm. And that's not to say anything against me. That's just to say, we're all going through stuff and people are watching you. We're all going through a tough time. Life is tough. But as you go through it, people are like, I, I see what's going on with that guy. How's he doing that? And Amen. people have come up to me and cornered me and said, Okay, what's, the, what's really the story? They want to know if there's something really behind the mm -hmm. smile or whatever. And so my boss, who was the meanest to me, would just, like I said, cuss me out every day, just, I mean, just constantly pick on me. And I work for an auto repair shop, and he's like, get in the car, which he just told me all the time, just so he could just blame me for stuff that wasn't my fault. He had somebody he had to unload on. And so he said, can I just have, be honest with you? And I said, sure. And he said, you know, my marriage is falling apart. I'm going through all this kind of stuff. And he's somebody who attends church every week but just kind of clocks in clocks out we all sometimes we are those people sometimes we know those people but he said I just wanted to let you know he's like I need your advice and so I gave him some different advice and things and he said we intentionally treat you bad he said we're a Christian we don't like that and he said we're we're trying to drive you out of this company hmm. and he said but he said I wanted to let you know something He's like, we see what your wife's been through. We see what you've been through with your kids. And he said, we're all jealous of you mm. and everything that you have and everything your life is all about. Mm. So that's my encouragement for everybody is God's been faithful. I mean, like I said, we, we all go through tough stuff. We've been through a lot of tough stuff, but God's always been there. God's been faithful and the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. Amen. We close with that. Uh, the kindness of God. Yep. The faithfulness of God is that he's not left us alone in this world and that you might get beat up all week long. Uh, you might be, think, why in the world am I where I'm at? You might think, how are we going to get through this cancer? Uh, how are we going to handle this stuff going on? Uh, how are we going to you know, find stability? You know, how are we going to experience God's guidance and direction? The faithfulness of God is that he's provided for us the fellowship of Jesus Christ, the opportunity to meet with him and others who are believers in him so that we can be firm till the end we can experience his blessings, we can experience his faithfulness and love. Let's pray together. Lord, thanks for your kindness and faithfulness to us. Uh, God, you are faithful and you have provided us with a relationship with Jesus and a relationship with others in your church. And so God, we just wanna stop and say thank you. In your name, Jesus, we pray, amen.